As the country's economy continues to open up, there are new economic incentives for nursing homes tied to the coronavirus. That could make them even more dangerous. We'll tell you why. It is Tuesday, June 9th, and this is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from Putnam County, Lake Mayapak, to be specific, in New York. Hi, and I am Cameron Huddleston, financial journalist and author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. And I am coming to you live from my husband's office at Western Kentucky University because the internet in my house is too patchy to do this. Putting in the effort, Cameron. All right, this is the Money <laughs> News Show. We don't mess around here on Money with Friends. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Cameron Huddleston. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 10% off your first year. And also, of course, you support the show. And we'll talk a little bit more about how Tiller helps you organize your finances and get ahead of things and also um, sometimes fix things that are going wrong later in the show. But first, I want to welcome Cameron Huddleston. This is your debut as a season four co-host on Money with Friends. So welcome. Thank you. I am. I'm so excited about this, Bobby. Um, especially because we've known each other for several years. So it's really fun to be on the show with you. Um, can't wait to, to you know spend the next couple of months talking about what's in the news and about money issues that relate to people. And especially, we'll probably focus a lot of your episodes on your expert your area of expertise, which is sort of the intergenerational economics that go on. I can't believe, I, I mean, I knew you when you were writing this book, but it's been a year since you wrote Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. And especially the last few months with the quarantine, a lot has changed that's really relevant to your subject area of expertise. We're going to talk about that also in the show. Right. I agree. And I think now is a great time for people to be having these conversations just because it is so important to find out what sort of plans your parents have for emergencies. And, you know, we are in an emergency situation right now. So, you know, I think you can use the current events to really get these conversations started. Yeah. I mean, it, people that did not have the right conversations and then maybe their parents um, were sick or they were worried about their parents being sick, they found themselves at a loss. So it's really important. Everyone check out Cameron's book. And yes, I am full on promoting it because it's really relevant <laughs> more so than ever one year after, after it's been written. Now, let's see which one of our money friends is going to bring us into today's headline. This is John. This is David of the Queer Money Podcast. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better... It's time for our headlines. All right, Cameron, you're going to read the beginning of the story? Okay, yes. So this is an article from Politico. States prod nursing homes to take more COVID-19 patients. Offered vastly higher reimbursements, many substandard facilities are jumping at the chance to accept sick residents. Programs to design to help elderly people with coronavirus are creating a perverse financial incentive for nursing homes with bad track records to bring in sick patients, raising the risk of spreading infections in substandard care 
for seriously ill patients, according to advocates for the elderly and industry experts. Coronavirus positive patients can bring in double or more the funding of other residents. States including California, Massachusetts, Michigan, and New Mexico wanting to relieve pressure on crowded hospitals are providing extra incentives for nursing homes to accept such patients. Some homes have been eager for the new revenue, creating coronavirus wings or even converting to all coronavirus facilities. But the ones most desperate for the money are often among those with the low ratings and a history of citations for poor cleanliness or neglecting patients. In Michigan, for example, eight of 20 nursing homes selected by the state government to build wings for coronavirus positive patients are currently rated as below average or much below average, the two lowest designations on the Health and Human Services Department's five-star nursing home rating scale. One was sued in 2017 by a state watchdog group after a man died in its care. The fear, advocates say, is that the generous payments designed to help patients will only serve to expose more elderly people to some of the factors that have led to nearly 26,000 COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes from rapid spreading of germs to a shortage of protective equipment. The places hospitals want to send these COVID positive patients, oops, lost my spot there. The places hospitals want to send these COVID-19 positive patients turn out to be the places least equipped to take them. Places that are already the most dangerous facilities in the United States, said Mike Dark, an attorney at California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. These are places that have serious infection control issues terrible understaffing issues. For instance, New Mexico's first nursing home solely for coronavirus patients, Canyon Transitional Rehabilitation Center, was cited as having issues with infection control during regular inspections in both 2018 and last year and was fined $13,605 by federal government last year for a lack of proper procedures that led to a five-minute delay in performing CPR on a resident after he became unconscious. Nonetheless, Canyon Transitional Rehabilitation Center will receive 600 per bed for housing the patients, more than double the reimbursement rate it received for some residents in the past. In some cases, it will also receive a daily payment for empty beds. Let's just pause there, Cameron, because I feel like you have a lot to say already. <laughs> I, I do. You know, I, I think this article is shocking and it highlights it highlights what's going on mainly behind the scenes. You know, we, in general, nursing homes are places that we don't think about, we don't pay attention to. It affects me personally, though, because my mother has Alzheimer's disease and she is in a long-term care facility. She's in a memory care facility. However, she has to get surgery. And once I take her out of her facility, she cannot return for 14 days because of current regulations. So the plan is to have her placed in a skilled nursing facility for rehabilitation after her surgery. So of course I have been online researching the local facilities. I have been looking at those star ratings. The one that I want my mother to be placed in has the highest rating. It has no coronavirus cases. She has to test negative to get into the facility. 
Now, there are facilities here that have the coronavirus. Their ratings are lower. So, you know, of course, no one wants to send a family member, a loved one to a facility that has coronavirus. I mean, these people are at much higher risk. But here's, here's the issue that these facilities are dealing with. The ones that are lower rated, and, and this is not something that I am making up. I have looked at research on this. Lower rated facilities tend to be ones that accept more Medicaid dollars. They rely more heavily on Medicaid. Nursing facilities have essentially three funding sources. Medicaid, which is the top payer in the U.S. for long-term care. Medicare will pay for short-term stays in nursing facilities, typically after a surgery when you need real rehabilitation. You know, perhaps someone has gone into the hospital because of the coronavirus and now they need to receive additional care, quarantine care. So, you know, it might cover that sort of care in a nursing facility. And then you have the private pay residents, people who are paying out of their own pockets, people who are paying through long-term care insurance policies or other sources. Medicaid provides the least in funding. And so when they're talking about states providing this funding, I'm assuming they're talking primarily about Medicaid funding. So of course, if you are a facility and you're being offered more money and you are perhaps a low rate number of Medicaid patients already, of course, it makes sense for you to say, hey, let me be the one to take those patients. It brings in more money. It also makes sense for the higher rating facilities that have a reputation to uphold to say, no, we don't want to pay, take those patients. That short-term gain of more money for those patients is not worth the long-term risk that we are going to be taking. It will taint our reputation. You know, a facility that's a top-rated facility, you know, if, if people in the community know that it has positive coronavirus patients, they're going to be reluctant to send their patients there in the long term. So it's a very difficult situation. And, and I understand very well what is going on here, I, but it's obviously it's not right. I mean, you know, the facilities that are rated the poorest, that have the least capability to care for these patients are the ones that are most likely to be stepping up and offering to provide this sort of care. Um, you know, and that's why, that's why I think it's so shocking, but it's such a complicated situation and there aren't any simple solutions for this. We filmed this live in front of a Facebook audience. We have a number of our friends here. Jim is with us. Adrian is with us. Um, Kevin is with us. Ron is with us. Annette here has a comment. You want to grab that, Cameron? Sure. So Annette says, once again, money drives the business, not the well-being of customers. And this is so true and it's so unfortunate. Um, you know, but as I said, it's a very difficult situation. You know, finding housing for those who are at most, you know, in most need. I mean, my mother, you know, her facility, her long-term care facility will not allow her to come back. So I have to find care for her. Um, you know, I'm having to jump through all sorts of hoops to prove that, you know, she doesn't have the coronavirus before she gets her surgery. She's not going to have the coronavirus in order to get into a facility. She has to be tested once again to get back into her memory care facility. So it's, it's very tricky, but those who are infected, they have to have a place to go. There has to be care for them. Unfortunately, you know, as this article points out, it's often these facilities that don't have good ratings that are taking the money to take on these patients. And so it just creates a very, 
a very difficult and dangerous situation. And it's something that there's really no solution for. We did put this question out to our Instagram audience. Everyone, I hope you're following us there at Money Friends Pod. That's also our handle on Twitter at Money Friends Pod. We asked them, Cameron, do you think that nursing homes are the best place to be sending COVID-19 positive patients? What do you think they said? I'm going to guess that most people said no. Yes. Uh, what do you think the, what percentage said no? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. Maybe 100%? 90%. Okay. So. I was actually going to say 90%, but I <laughs> I erred on the high side. You know, but I, I'm assuming that people are thinking this is, you know, if you want to send people with the coronavirus into a nursing facility, it's a bad idea because you've already got a very at-risk population in those facilities. Exactly. And, and actually, you have some, our audience, we asked them to elaborate on why they voted the way that they did. Let's just read two or three of those um, that we had. Okay. So let's see. One of them, one person commented, old and frail with many having underlying health issues plus immune system being lower. You know, another person said nursing homes are filled with the most vulnerable patients, which is true. Someone also said can't stay at hospitals because the cost is too high. I will point out that the cost of a nursing home is also very high too. Yeah, that's why like a lot of people get long-term care insurance because it's astronomical. I mean, I just, I, I don't even know how people can possibly do it unless they end up draining. You are the expert on this more than I am, certainly, but draining your resources to get on Medicaid, I don't even know. I mean, it just seems so far-fetched, these numbers almost seem like funny money. Like, are you joking? <laughs> like, who could possibly do this? Right, because the median cost of a private room in a skilled nursing facility is about $9,000 a month. A month. That's worth Medicare. Oh, oh, certainly. I mean, and, and Medicare will not pay for the type of long-term care that you would need if you have Alzheimer's disease, for example. It will pay for that short-term care if you need rehabilitation after a hospital stay, Medicaid is the only government payer. And like you said, Bobby, and you have to essentially spend down all your resources in order to qualify for Medicaid, or you have to already be very low income to qualify. So unless you have long-term care insurance, a life insurance policy with a long-term care benefit, or a heck of a lot of savings, you know, you're you're in trouble. I mean, long-term care in a facility is out of reach for a lot of people. And that's why so many people are caring for their family at home. Yeah. Um, we have Kevin here with us in our Facebook live audience and he has a comment. So Kevin says, put assets into a Medicaid trust, which is, um, and, and I don't want to go too deep into this because it can be complicated, but there is a way to shift your assets so that you can qualify for Medicaid without essentially, depleting all of your assets, especially if you have a spouse or a partner who's still alive and that person is going to need to have some sort of savings to support them through their retirement. Um, this requires the help of an attorney. You certainly need to meet with an elder law attorney to do that sort of Medicaid planning, but it is an option and it takes planning, certainly a lot of planning. And we have Adrian here. So Adrian says the reality is that not everyone can afford nor space or time to add their loved ones to their home. Elderly with memory and, and I can't see all of it for some uh, reason. Let's see, it says mobility issues. It's off to the side. It kind of cuts it off. Um, okay. Mobility issues can require 24-7 care. Well, I mean, you know this so well. I mean, you, this inspired your book with, your, with the situation with your mom. 
And it's true. And this is why, you know, because my mother can't return for two weeks after her surgery, I can't take her into my own home because my own home is not set up to meet her needs. I do not have a handicap accessible shower. I do not have a handicap accessible toilet. I have stairs in my home. And so if I can't get her into a skilled nursing facility, I will be in a hotel room sequestered with my mother, a hotel room with a handicap accessible shower and toilet sequestered with her for two weeks because that would be my only option. It It is anyone who is thinking, well, I can count on my family to provide that support when I get older. You know, it is a full-time job. If you are in your 80s and your spouse or partner is in his or her 80s, they might not have the physical strength to provide that sort of care. So these, these skilled nursing facilities, these long-term care facilities, they do play a very important role in our society. The problem is that, you know, because they are so expensive, a lot of people can't afford care in there, or you've got Medicaid paying for care. And because Medicaid doesn't pay as much as Medicare or even the private pay, you have staffing shortage issues and you end up with these facilities that have low ratings. So it is like we already said, it's a very tricky situation. I do want to add one more little tidbit from the article. David Grabowski, an expert in aging and long-term care at Harvard Medical School, said creating COVID specialty nursing homes is a great idea in theory, but has proven difficult to implement because the best and most qualified nursing homes, the four and five-star facilities, are already full and don't have room to take on more patients. Is that something you're finding? Yes. So that that's exactly the issue. And that's why it's a problem. You know, and unfortunately, you know, if if the states were to incentivize facilities to get their act together and in, improve the quality of their care, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to that that will that will work out because, you know, you've got these four and five star facilities that would be ideal to take on these patients, but they might not want to, because as I said earlier, it's going to tarnish their reputation. Once, you know, it's known that a facility has COVID-19 positive residents there, it could scare away other residents. You know, people are going to want to move their family members to another facility and, you know, the highly rated facilities aren't going to want to take that chance. Yeah. It's, it's, not something we are going to solve, certainly, in this show. Um, we'll have to just revisit it and see, as with so many things that are going on in our world right now, how it plays out and how this situation figures out some kind of solution, some some workable solutions. We don't have situations like yours because not everyone is as knowledgeable about this as you and not everyone also can spend two weeks in a hotel room with their mother. People are going back to work and even if they're not physically at work, people have been working. If you're lucky enough to still be employed, you're working. So it is full time to take care of your loved ones and I, I'm glad that you bring that up because it's important for us to remember that. Um, we're going to come back to you and we give you a minute to think about your takeaway and I just want to let everyone else know that, you know, look, a lot of things are starting up again, time to get organized and we personally here at Money with Friends are big fans of Tiller and we thank them for supporting the show. You can manage your money so much faster in a spreadsheet with Tiller and you can customize it. It connects your banks to Google Sheets or even Excel and then it'll show you your daily transactions, spending and balances and you can, you know, it, you don't really have to compromise. It'll let you do what works for you in terms of how these spreadsheet works. It makes it even better because you get daily feeds of all those things. You don't have to put everything in 
over and over again. You just connect your banks once and then you can see your transactions automatically updated each day. So you set it up and you are good to go. Learn more by going to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more information. You get a free trial and of course you get 10% off your first year. You're welcome. And also you support the show. Again, it's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. And please, that stands for Money with Friends. And please use that link so that they know that we sent you. All right, it is time for takeaways. I'm gonna let you have the last word, my friend. Um, and I just wanna say, look, um, sadly, this is a classic example of a need, um, an urgent need, and then the checks and balances sometimes are not the priority. And the fix seems obvious. Obviously, you want to get the higher star ratings to get the higher reimbursement, but for all the reasons that Cameron explained, that doesn't seem to be happening. These facilities do respond to incentives, so let's find a way. Find a way to incentivize the ones that are willing to take the COVID-19 patients to up their game because we need all the help we can get for our older friends and loved ones. So I would say that more than anything, this article highlights the deficiencies in America's long-term care system. There are plenty of nursing, home out, nursing homes out there that don't provide adequate care. They have safety violations, and in some cases, they are even guilty of neglect. You know, unfortunately, though, these facilities with the lower ratings are more likely to be the ones that rely heavily on Medicaid payments, which pay less than Medicare and likely private pay residents. So, of course, these are the facilities that are going to be more likely to want to take on coronavirus patients to get higher payouts. I wish solving the problem were as simple as incentivizing those facilities to improve before they can qualify to bring in coronavirus patients at a higher rate, but there are some fundamental flaws to the system that can't be cured that quickly. I just hope that the current situation forces our government leaders to start paying more attention to the issue of long-term care and how to better fund it because the number of adults who will need nursing home care is only going to grow as people live longer. So well said and such incredible points. I mean, this is this is your specialty. This is something that, you know, I don't know what we we need we need a follow-up book sooner rather than later, Cameron. I hope this uh, <laughs> this is inspiring you. Um, by the I'll, I will convince everybody, just so you know, I I I feel I want credit for convincing you to write the first book because we talked about the idea and I remember telling you how needed it was. And I'm so glad that you wrote Mom and Dad, we need to talk. So hopefully now you'll read, you'll, you'll write the next one that updates all the, including all these other new dilemmas that we have that have come to light because of our current situation. Um, in the meantime, you are going to be back for tomorrow's show. We're going to be doing a little bit about investing in the stock market. And we've got a uh, money manager who thinks we should all be nervous. But tell us where people can find out more about you and your book and, and what other projects are you working on? So you can find more out about me at CameronHuddleston.com. There is a page there with links to all the places you can buy my book. I've got some free resources available on my website to help you start this conversation. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about right now. I have been working since the beginning of the year with a financial services startup. It's called Careful, and that's spelled with two L's. And I love what they're doing because it aligns so closely with what I have been doing. They are creating a service that will help financial caregivers. And those are the people who are having to help manage the finances of a loved one. The service, once it, launch, once it launches in the fall, um, will make 
life easier, essentially, for these financial caregivers. It's going to make it easier to help stay on top of your loved one's finances, monitor their accounts for any unusual fees, any unusual activity. And I have been helping them create their content, all of their resources and advice for their site and for those caregivers. So I'm really excited to be a part of that. Well, we look forward to hearing more about it over the next four months because you'll be returning every, well, you'll do two shows every month. So you will keep us updated on when that is available. And everyone, you can find out more about Cameron and all of our thought leaders, um, both current and, of course, our community of Money with Friends alums at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Please follow us on our Instagram. Um, that is at moneyfriendspod. You can participate in our polls, quizzes, and questions and get a shout-out during the show by doing that. That is also our handle on Twitter, at MoneyFriendsPod. So be in touch. And thank you so much on behalf of Cameron. I'm Bobby. Thanks for tuning in to Money with Friends. We will see you tomorrow. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.